Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and happy you're listening. Well, all right. Um, Well, first thing I want to say is happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Um, Fathers are an important part of the family, and the family is under attack. So, you know, look, you guys have got a tough job out there, and keep up the good work, do the best you can do. Is all I can say. It's 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 getting tougher all the time. It seems, but uh, we got to keep up the good fight. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is I'm going to be out of town some this week, so I'm going to have a limited week in terms of the number of shows. So um, if you don't see the number of shows that you normally see in your feed, uh, just be patient, and I will be back producing content for who gets to decide uh, next week. I probably, I'm going to try to do three shows this week, but uh, probably not more than that. All right. Well, there's a guy named Neil Oliver, and some of you may have heard of this guy. He's a a Scottish uh, television uh, presenter. He's he's got a podcast. He's a historian and archaeologist and uh, documentarian. Um, I'm going to play some audio from him and, and you're going to probably recognize him. And if you don't, then, you know, this will be an introduction to Neil Oliver, but he makes a, a pretty, um, strong indictment of government. It's pretty, pretty well put together. And, um, you know, it's just a, a monologue really. Uh, and I agree with it, a lot of it. And so I want to, uh, stop at some key locations and just expound on what he's talking about and 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 really drill down into um, what we're seeing today uh, from the governments of the world and, and and how dangerous in my mind this situation is um, in what if anything we can do about it I you know I'm not actually sure um, there's anything to do about it um, you know, some people say vote. I don't think voting is a solution. I think, I think we have to kind of essentially hold up a mirror, uh, to the people that are advocating these crazy ideas and try to get them to see, you know, the errors of their ways. I know that's, I know that's, uh, somewhat idealistic, but, you know, I don't think force, I don't think, turning around and using force on them is a solution either. So um, that's one of the things you see kind of with the Republican Party. Um, that's one of the dangers of what what they're doing to Trump is that this political vanquishment can just go back and forth between parties for decades, you know, and, and completely destroy our uh, political system. So that's certainly at risk. And um, again, I'm not sure what you do about it, Um, but it's, it's the world we're living in today.
I say government exists now not to defend the right of the people to pursue happiness, but to deny those rights and so enable the enrichment and advantage of a narrow clique of the wealthiest obsessed with power. The intention at the same time is to make as many of us as possible unhappy and condemned to lesser lives. I say that that clique comprises those most fearful, those afraid of their fellow humankind. So fearful are they of our existence, they would move heaven and earth and everything in between in order to hobble our potential. So the statement he's making right here at the beginning it's, uh, is, is very bold. Uh, you know, you, when you talk about uh, why governments exist, people will often say, you know, to secure liberty uh, and freedom and, and human flourishing and things like that. What he's saying is he believes government exists today for the opposite of that. And that is that is a very <laughs> that is a very radical statement, but certainly we are headed in that direction. I mean, you've got an alliance between government, the media, uh, wealthy corporations, wealthy individuals who do seem to be afraid, so afraid of the future. Um, that they're willing to hobble humanity. I mean, I think that I think he's spot on about that. Now he's going to give, uh, you know, several pieces of evidence for why he feels that way. But I, but I think, I think more and more evidence comes to light every day as to why this is a plausible theory uh, among people like Neil Oliver. Me, I, I think I'm. I think I'm in agreement with Neil Oliver about this, and um, and anyway, we're gonna we're gonna listen to more about what he says because he does he does give a lot of examples of of what's what's happening in the world today, and much of this is being um, propagated by wealthy elites, governments, and the media. When we are made to contemplate 15-minute ghettos and no cars and no air travel and no movement without digital IDs and no buying and selling without the approval of more of those government flunkies and their artificial intelligence, when we're told we will own nothing and be happy, that we should accept lives devoid of aspiration, when we're made to contemplate such nonsense, what are we supposed to think has happened to our inalienable right to freedom and to the pursuit of happiness? If you're asking me for the answers to these questions, I say we've been made victims of an attempted theft perpetrated by so-called leaders who are liars. I say they lied throughout the so-called pandemic. I say they lie about the war in Ukraine. I say they lie about the climate. I say they lied about who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. And it seems to me they're lying now about who blew up the dam in Kherson in southern Ukraine. I say they're lying about the intentions behind the amendments to the WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty. They're lying about all of it because lying is what liars do when they've nothing else and nothing left to lose. Except for one MP being Andrew Bridgen of the Reclaim Party, no one in Westminster will talk about excess deaths past and present. I say this is lying by omission, which is just lying. Yeah, you know, governments have always lied. But the lying is bigger, uh, more critical... And, and more deadly than, than it's been, at least in America. Now, lying has always been deadly by government. You know, um, we talked about uh, 
a book, a real short little book that I have by Andy Andrews called How Do You Kill 11 Million People? And the short answer is you lie to them. Um, we've talked about these stories from uh, the run-up to um, the Holocaust and how uh, people in Hungary were just manipulated into voluntarily getting on rail cars and being driven right into Auschwitz. You know, it's a progression that these totalitarians take you on. Um, if you look at what happened in, in Hungary and in Poland and these places, what they did is they, they first started talking about Jews and how Jews were part of the problem. Well, you know, what are they talking about right now? They're talking about white people and white men and the patriarchy and how that's part of the problem. And then what was the next step in Hungary? You know, well, you know, Jews can't own businesses. And so they take your livelihood away from you. Um, now, we're not there yet, uh, but whoever the enemy is in the West... Eventually, they will come for your ability to uh, take care of yourself. And it was really, it was really struck by. I was really struck by these stories uh, in Hungary, where after they took the livelihood away from these people, um, you know, of course they're starving and they're barely getting by. And then they would come out and they would say things like, "There's a farmer on the north end of town." that has a winery and needs help, you know, harvesting grapes. If you'd like to, you know, volunteer for that, uh, you know, you'll be paid accordingly. Well, so all these people go to the train station to get on a train to ride over to this so-called farmer's uh, land where these harvesting grapes, but it didn't go there. It went straight into Auschwitz. And, you know, you just have to be very, very careful about the types of lying that government does. And I, like, you know, this is why I was, I was always making this point about Trump. You know, people were talking about Trump lying all the time. Trump's lying is all about his ego. You know, every now and then you'll see liberals complain about Trump's lying. And they'll bring up things like he talked about how his crowd at his inauguration was bigger than Obama's. What? Why do we care about that? That's not the kind of lie I care about. The kind of lie I care about is, hey, these vaccines are safe and effective. Or, hey, um, you know, um, if you take this vaccine, uh, your likelihood of dying from COVID is diminished. Or your, your likelihood of hospitalization is greatly reduced. When there's no evidence of any of that. So these are the kind of lies that actually harm people. These are the kind of lies that, you know, nudge people in a direction that ultimately cause them to make decisions for themselves that are harmful. And this is, kind, this is the type of lying that's becoming more and more uh, frequent and more um, pervasive by the government. I say we've not been run by inept people who just kept getting it wrong, rather by liars who told us to do one thing while themselves doing something else. 
Here and abroad, they tell the same lie at the same time, even when they know we know they're lying, because knowing they're all telling the same lie at the same time at least gives them the reassurance of solidarity in their lying. More and more people are awake to the lying. The last time I checked, 80 million people had turned to former Fox News host Tucker Carlson on his new channel on Twitter, likely in search of information no longer available from mainstream sources. In this time of lying, in this time of the attempted theft of our inalienable right to life and freedom and the pursuit of happiness, we have an important choice to make. We must decide what our values are. For 2,000 years and more, the West has been built around the belief that the highest achievement of the universe is humankind. A person raised within that tradition used to regard respect for humankind, the sanctity of humankind and love of humankind as the highest values of all. And yet now we tolerate a version of the West in which humankind is fed food that makes humankind ill, is openly exploited by the drugs industry that keeps them ill. Humankind that has freedom and bodily autonomy blatantly ignored and that must watch war inflicted upon his fellows for no higher goal than the financial gain of the military-industrial complex. This is a very simple point that he makes here, but it, it's so important. It, you know, If the things that you're advocating for are not aligned with human flourishing, if you're so fearful about some unknown boogeyman, whether it's climate change or um, or a, a virus, uh, and, and, your, and your solution to that is to diminish or to undermine or to uh, thwart human flourishing, then your, your ideas are wrong. Your, your, your thinking about the world is wrong. Your thinking about um, how we solve problems is wrong. And this is, this is what I see um, with today's global global governing bodies, they they're this this climate change thing has them so terrified that you know they're willing to kill people. It seems like um, in order to avoid it, and and there's no the, the, one there's no evidence that that there's anything that is to be avoided, and two. They act as if they could somehow avoid it. You know that they, we know enough. We 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 have control enough over the earth to avoid something like that. And it's just this this um, hubris is just leading to horrible outcomes. I mean, there if these if these people win, human flourishing is. I mean, the Western civilization is going to go backwards. We're gonna we're gonna decline, not progress. The progressive error is gonna bring regression in human flourishing. We're also watching the mutilation of children in the name of the transgender ideology, which is another lie. Most recently, we have been invited to fear so-called artificial intelligence, told it might supplant us as a species. Then there's the transhumanism that insists we're no longer fit for purpose anyway. Carbon life forms, your time is up make way for silicon. And so as never before, we must think about what it means to be human and choose whether we are for humankind, against humankind, or just ambivalent about our chances of continuing to exist at all. This sounds crazy, but it's, it, it is starting to look like the battle lines are between those for humankind 
and those that are against humankind. I mean, he's, he's right. Um, we're, we're being told openly that humans um, eat too much, produce too much waste, use too many resources, are too stupid, and, you know, that, that transhumanism is the wave of the future. AI is the wave of the future. And you're all going to be, you know, supplanted by some AI in the future. Well, you know, this is, in my mind, is absurd. AI is a technology. We use technology. We, you know, technology doesn't supplant human beings. I mean, this is just, um, I don't know what this is. This is a, some sort of fear-mongering or, uh, or something. I mean, I, I think there's, there's potential dangers for AI as we turn over certain responsibilities uh, to, to machines or to software or, or things like that. But, you know, AI is, is, is not anything to be feared, uh, I don't think. It's, it's something to be harnessed, just like the atom or, you know, the, the integrated circuit or software. It's, it's, it's going to be used, I think, primarily to increase our standard of living. Of course, that won't do any good because the government just steals it all back and, um, you know, uh, uh, credit creation and money production. I said the thoughts that gave birth to the Declaration of Independence and the sentiments of the Gettysburg Address were ancient by the time they were built into the lower courses of the masonry supporting the United States of America. The American dream remains that, just a dream, while the stated aims of the authors of the Declaration of Independence were aspirations most high that have never yet been realised. Among those founding fathers were slave owners, so that even those capable of conceiving of a world of equality and freedom for all men and women were nonetheless incapable of living up to their own ideals. It was ever thus, but just because a grand idea has not yet been made real doesn't mean it never can be. Now, when the future of humankind depends upon it, all possible efforts must be made to renew that noble aspiration. Yeah, when you look at the history of the United States, you know, there were multiple things going on at, at one time, and we were, we were being uh, kind of dominated by England. But, but at the same time, you know, there was, a, there was slavery going on in the United States. I mean, slavery came over you know, long before the United States became United States. And, you know, these, these uh, wealthy landowners uh, who also became our founding fathers, they had slaves. But it doesn't make their ideas bad, okay? This is the, this guilt by association thing is just, it's crazy. It, it, it doesn't mean that ideas are, their ideas were bad, and, you know, it makes me think of uh, a recent episode of Bill Maher where um, Elon Musk was on, and he mentioned something about high school students being surveyed, and they were asked questions about George Washington, and they, uh, many of the students uh, replied that the, the thing that was interesting, or that the unique characteristic of George Washington was that he was a slave owner. And while that's true, that's hardly the most important thing to know about George Washington. But you can just see how everything now has become 
stained because this slavery, this this time of slavery was going on. Look, slavery was going on around the world for centuries. I mean, the fact that it was the, the fact that it was ended in the United States fairly quickly is a miracle. That's what should be uh, praised and, and honored, not the fact that it was here. It was everywhere. <laughs> you know, you go read the Bible, and it was, uh, it was, it's in the Bible, right? It talks about manservants and woman servants. In the Bible, those are slaves. That's what that is. Uh, the Jews left Egypt because they were enslaved. Um, so it's not just a, it's not just a thing that happens to black people. This has happened to many types of people around the world for centuries. And it is something that was, you know, remedied in America. But, you know, that, that all of a sudden is lost on everybody. It's all the, the ideas suck. Everything sucks about the United States. All the founders suck. Everything sucks because we had slaves. And this is just ridiculous thinking. A document called the Declaration of Our Broth is on public display in Scotland now. It was written in 1320 and, among other bold pronouncements, declares that while King Robert, the Bruce, had done a grand job, still made plain that if he failed the people, failed to defend their freedoms, those same people would do whatever necessary to be rid of him and to find someone better. Here's the thing. Freedom is ours by right and the pursuit of happiness is ours by right. We've always known as much, in our hearts at least. It was and is, declares the declaration of our broth, not for glory, nor for riches, nor honours that we're fighting, but for freedom alone, which no honest man gives up, but with life itself. Yeah, Robert the Bruce, if you ever saw the the movie Braveheart, Robert the Bruce was the son of a wealthy landowner and a a noble, and Mel Gibson's character, uh, William Wallace, befriended him and fought uh, for his vision. And, of course, William Wallace gave his life for that cause, and Robert the Bruce went on to, to rule. But it, if you watch the movie, he it's apparent that he learned a very powerful lesson, and that's the lesson that Neil Oliver is talking about, is that if Robert the Bruce doesn't do a good job, and by that I mean in ruling in the direction of human flourishing and freedom, um, the the right of freedom, the right to pursue happiness. These are these are um, these are rights that you're born with. I mean, it, look, human beings are at the top of the food chain on this globe. Okay, if you're a human being and you're not free, by definition, that means some other human being is keeping you from being free, and by definition, that's tyranny. Okay, this is why I always say that this show, first and foremost, is about uh, liberty versus tyranny. Because the history of the world, here we are talking about 1320, okay? The history of the world is made up of those that want to be free and those that want to rule over those that want to be free. And so anytime you have somebody in the way of of your freedom, of, of human flourishing, of liberty, that person, by definition, uh, 
is a tyrant. <laughs> and this is, this is what we're seeing in modern-day uh, governments around the world, not just here in the United States. In fact, in some situations, in some cases, it's worse outside of the United States. Look at New Zealand. Look at Australia. I mean, Australia is, is it's amazing what's going on there. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of people going along with all this. And um, I don't know how you get them to see the truth that their government is constantly lying to them. Um, but eventually they'll come around because ultimately their lives are going to be threatened. Their livelihood will be threatened. And they won't be able to do anything but recognize the truth. The problem is that often uh, comes at a time when it's too late. By the way, I love the last part where he says, um, you know, freedom is popular, freedom, everybody wants to be free, and no man gives up freedom except by death. And that's the way it should be. You should never give up liberty. Um, Patrick Henry famously said, give me liberty or give me death. And what we've got is too many people are fearful around the world, in America, and they believe, falsely I might add, that the government can somehow save them. The government cannot save you, okay? The only, the only person that ever walked the earth that can save you is Jesus Christ. <laughs> and beyond that, you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your own family. Security offered by the government is, is a facade. It's an, an illusion. It's, a, it's something that they promise you in order to control you essentially. That much was true in 1320. It was true in 1776. It's true now. It will always be true. 